What's going on, everybody? So excited to share this episode with you today. This is one of my best Instagram friends here. Her name is Taylor Fielder. You can find her on Instagram at Candid Communion. And she's doing awesome stuff. She just rocked uh, last week, part three of her third night of, um, I believe it was, no, it was her second night. I don't know. Now I'm going to mess this up. It was either her second or third time. I think second time now that I think about it. Second time doing uh, Catholic speed dating, online Catholic speed dating that she set up. And it's just rocking. I mean, there's been great success stories. And we're going to break that down and talk about what that is on today's episode. But um, she's just a rock star, awesome person, very relatable, uh, you know, as we would say, a normal on-fire Catholic, which is, which is hard to come by sometimes, you know. And so uh, we had a great conversation just talking about relativism and a lot of things that are just plaguing the world that have seeped their way into the church as well. And so we don't want people to be lukewarm, obviously, right? And so we want to talk about these things that are leading to lukewarmness and leading to people, leading people away from the church. And so we had just a very, uh, you know, good conversation talking about all those things, a little bit about her story and her journey and what she's doing now. And so I hope you enjoy it. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life. For all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Taylor Fielder, how are you doing, my friend? I'm so good. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, this obviously won't be released today on St. Patrick's Day, but it's still fun to, to know that we recorded it today. Yeah. And hoping for his intercession. And just what a stud. You know, I think I think you could make the very easy argument that St. Patrick has the most disrespected feast day. 100%. Of anything. Maybe next would be Valentine's Day, I think, you know, which is just kind of known for a lot of yeah. uh, sinfulness as well. Or, you know, I think it has it has a lot of good to it, but obviously, but right. I think it's often misconstrued for a negative thing. But okay. St. Patrick's Day, I think, has almost been utterly dominated um, by debauchery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you know? I saw a tweet yesterday that a priest was just saying that, like, just don't. Like, just don't do it. Right. Don't embarrass him. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so sad. And 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 they put his name on everything. Like, that's the worst part about this. It's like, it's like everything that, you know, is bad that people do on his day, they put his name all over it. And mm. yeah, it is it is embarrassing. It's disrespectful, I think, for sure. When you think mm. of the, like what he did and just being a great saint, you know, and right. yeah, just punishing heretics and, and just standing for the truth in a bold way. Uh it's really, really interesting. But yeah, what a great guy. What a great day to record this on for us to share some, some potentially yeah. bold things. This is fun. You know, we were just kind of talking about beforehand of not really, we didn't really plan this one that much, which I really appreciate your flexibility on that. Most people don't allow me to, to do that. So I'm grateful for you uh, just being flexible and open with today's plan. I love it. Let's Let's do it. So first, Taylor, I think it'd be great just for you to give us a little bit of background. Tell us about your love for Texas and, and where you come <laughs> from and how much you love the Lord and all that stuff. I do love Texas. I love Jesus Good. more, but I love Texas. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I was born and raised here uh, in the Fort Worth area. I grew up a coach's kid. Um, football in Texas is a religion of its own, never sacrilegious, but it is definitely a way of life here. And right. I was kind of raised in that. Um, I love it. I went to Texas Tech, Reckham, out in Lubbock, out west. 
Uh, I worked for the football team there during school and then stayed on after doing recruiting and ops um, and stayed in athletics, went into coaching. And now I do kind of, I'm in an operations position in um, South Lake. So a big school here in Texas. I love it. Um, That's pretty much faith, family, football is the way we were raised, but faith first always. Um, I am a cradle Catholic. My family, um, we're, I guess there's five of us. My little brother came 12 years after I was born. So we have some, it's a very Catholic way to do it. Um, but we're very devout. I come from a devout family. Um, we were public school kids. So a lot of Protestant friends growing up, no Catholic friends. Um, my parents are both in education, so we went to public school. So I was always jealous of the Catholic private school kids who got to go to mass every day and learn theology with their friends because that was something that I thought would be really cool that I didn't get. But yeah, lots of Protestant friends, um, was the only Catholic girl, was that Catholic girl um, growing up and do what? I said, that's so funny. Yeah. Being that uh, Catholic girl. Yeah. It was fun though. I, I think I embraced it. I grew up with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, but when I got into college, that's either, I think where you sink or swim kind of fight or flight. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, I really fell in love with adoration. My mom has a very strong devotion to um, just adoration sitting in front of the blessed sacrament. So we grew up going with her and um, I kind of took it on, I guess, all those hours spent with her. So that's kind of what got me through college. And here we are. I love it. And now the other thing I think is important just to talk about your Instagram ministry that you do as well uh, at Candid Communion, which I'll put in the show notes and things like that. But I think you share a lot of great messages and in in some ways that you can, uh, you share, we share similar messages on on Instagram. Yours is definitely packaged in a much more feminine and girly format, you know, through your bold bold peaks. First of all, bold is my word of the year. Second of all, somebody said that the other day too, that it was packaged very flowery. Okay. That's taken a lot of, that's just Jesus because that is not necessarily, I don't think how people would maybe describe me. Really? Um, Yeah. I think, and I don't want to sound like I wasn't charitable. I've always been charitable, but um, have never had a problem saying what, what we believe as Catholics. And like I was talking about that chip I grew up with. Right. Uh, all the, your friends or people you're around are telling you how wrong you are and how uh, wrong the, your faith is and how you're going to go to hell for being Catholic and all these things. Like yeah. you start to. All the fun stuff. Yeah. So I'm very competitive, right? So I think you can either believe it and run or I was just like, you're not about to tell me that I'm wrong. Right. <laughs> Watch me be right. So that was kind of where, um, I guess that chip came from, but yeah. So I'm very glad to hear that it is presented in a nice flowery way. (laughs) Sometimes I think sometimes you just got to be straight up with it. No, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think that's so good. I love, you know, in your story, I think it's, it's funny hearing how we're basically the opposite, you know, like I was one of the only Protestants in a Catholic school and you were the only Catholic in Protestant schools. Oh, it's just so, it's just so funny. And (laughs) But yeah, no, I definitely agree with you with the boldness. And I think that that forms that, you know, and both of our experiences when you're kind of the, the, the fish out of water, or you're the odd one out, right? Like you have to kind of question and really develop a stance on, on what do I believe? What do I think about these things? You want to be able to defend that. Right. And yeah. And, and being bold about it. One of the things I think people don't recognize is like, it's, it's kind of like when you commit to something like a public goal, right? Right. Yeah. When you make a goal publicly, you have a lot more uh, desire, motivation, inspiration to want to uphold it, right? Because people right. know that you said you were going to do this. And so people are kind of looking at you like, are you going to do it or not? In a similar way, I think when when I've started to become more vocal about some of these important issues and you get bolder, you have to like you have to start doing your research and your homework yeah. to know what you're talking about because you don't want to be one of those people who's just sharing and doesn't have any base, like basic knowledge about what you're actually talking about. Yeah, 100%. That yeah. was one of the things with Candid Communion too was 
and I've shared this before, but um, the last thing I ever thought I would be doing, A, someone told me less than a year ago, like, you know, evangelization just isn't your thing. Really? This was before Canon Communion. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Totally. Like, wow. I was always like the um, live it instead of talk about it kind of outlook. Yeah. Um, and so this has just kind of been a wild ride to say the least. But um, that was one of the things that after COVID and we can get into all this, but um, I was just like, you know, it, you have to pick a side. There's no standing in the middle anymore. Right. You're either one side or the other. And if I'm gonna be on this side, then I might as well make sure that everybody knows it, A, mm -hmm. and B, make sure that I'm in a roundabout way holding myself publicly accountable. Like I can't be one way on the internet. Right. And then <laughs> another way, right? Person. Like yeah. just like you're saying. Yeah. So it kind of like helps me check myself too, I think. Right. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I've always thought that, you know, I, I've sometimes I've selfishly looked for opportunities yeah. to lead or do something in the church. Like when I was in North Carolina, I was like, I need to get involved in youth ministry yeah. and volunteer at my parish because I just, I, I become so much worse when I'm just by myself. You yeah. know, when I have people to lead and I'm leading something and I know that I'm an example and a role model every day. I mean, it's not even just when they're around. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you have integrity, I think of any sort, like when you yeah. know you're leading any or speaking. Sort of you're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you have to, even when they're not around, like even when you're by yourself, you're better. You know, you get up like you did early this morning to go to adoration or you get up to pray and, you yeah. know, to exercise, do all these things, right. That make us our best because you know that other people are counting on you. They're looking at you. Like they're going to base their actions off you, which right. the, the, the harsh reality is that that happens regardless. Yeah. Right. It happens regardless whether we're spiritually leading or not. Like, I, I tell people this all the time. Everybody's a leader. Everybody's influencing other people. Mm -hmm. Your actions do make a, uh, an impact on everybody around you, and they are yeah. looking at you and learning from you. And, and you have younger people around you, even sometimes older people around you, who are looking at you and saying, "This is how I'm supposed to live my life. This is what good looks like. This is what excellence looks like." Right. And they're going to set their bar where you put yours, you know. Right. And, and we're going to seek excellence. Right. I love That's that. Good. That's a great praise. <laughs> Thank I you. Write that down. Yeah, no, it's so important. <laughs> you know, I, I know there's an old leadership principle that says people will do half of what you do right and, and double what you do wrong. Mm, I like that. Yeah. And I think it's so important for people to realize that. And that's just, if you, if you find yourself, you know, if you read like books like love and respect, right. When you think about romantic relationships and people get into the crazy cycle with arguments, they always say that, which one should start first? Like which one should apologize or be the, you know, the leader in, in reconciliation, and the author says that the more mature one, the one who considers himself more mature should do it, right? right? So it's kind of like convicting for everybody. Yeah. But I think that's the same thing in your, in your friend groups, right? When people are out there, like you did a great example of this. When you're in your friend groups, like who should be the spiritual leader? Who should step up? If we know that my friend group is heading in the wrong direction, like who should be the one to step up? Whoever right. thinks of the most mature, right? Like yeah. you should be that person. And too many people I think out there are not doing that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, sadly, as you know, Taylor, are choosing you know, when they have to choose between the world and their faith, like you had to, they are choosing and they're choosing the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to, if that's the way that we view it, you know? Absolutely. No, it's very difficult. So what was, what was your journey like, you know, finding good people, I guess, to kind of run with, and maybe Instagram has helped support you in this way too, like in your journey as a Catholic, like how have you gone about doing that in such a, a Protestant dominant world? I'll say I wasn't very good at it most of my life. Um, I kind of took the attitude. I think I saw my mom in the way. Okay. So there, we have 10 converts in my family. 10. 10. Wow. Um, the marriage, most of them were obviously through marriage, but, um, and so I, I don't know, we're just all really tight knit and I kind of saw, and my mom and that cross she carried with my dad. My dad's a convert after 20 years that they were right. married. He converted. Yeah, such a cool story. And yeah, he's, oh, they're so great. But <laughs> just watching her and how she kind of took it upon herself and had to do it herself. And it was a cross. So I think I kind of, while she has zero attitude, I kind of took that attitude as, well, mm -hmm. I don't need anybody either. Then I can do it myself, which I have learned in the last however many eight months that that is totally first of all unnecessary right. and second of all why would you want <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so it was never something I went looking for. <laughs> yeah. it, like I didn't feel like, and I'll say this part of it, it was probably just, I don't know, has to do with nothing more than location, but uh, I didn't feel like I always fit in with the kids at church. Um, I related more to my school friends when it came to like being social and sports and all that. Um, but with faith, I obviously wanted to be at church and like really related to my church friends, obviously in matters of faith. And so I kind of was at that middle, I was just kind of a loner, um, until it wasn't after I moved back here, back home after college that the Lord just put, it's so funny to look back at it now. Cause you can clearly see like the events that took place to lead right. you to these people but he has put the most amazing, devout, normal people in my life that are like very human, very holy, very spiritual. Um, and I, it's really cool. But yeah, so he's just just looking for those ways um, to be open to the people he'll place in your path. Right. That's so big, you know, and I love it. So uh, calling people normal, you know, is something I've always struggled with. It's it, but it also sounds like an insult, and it's not supposed to be an insult. Right. But I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, 100%. And and I, I know that really, a lot of my listeners will know what you mean. Yeah. Well. And I'm always hesitant to use that word. Right. And, Same. But now I'm just like, no, I'm going to. And if people don't like it, that's okay. Right. Then I'll just be with these people over here. But it's not supposed to be an it's not supposed to be an insult. Right. No, hundred percent. And I wasn't accusing you of insulting people, but I just think, you know, I use it all the time too. And it is difficult to have, you know, try to describe that, but definitely relatable people. Relatable. Um, there you go. Yeah. You need, you need that. Right. And I think it's great what you're doing. Cause I find you to be a relatable person. Um, you know, I think that's why we become Instagram friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so important. And I think something that you hit on that I think is so crucial is recognizing when you kind of hit that point where you're like, I don't wait, I don't need to go it alone. You know, yeah. like there's no need for that. And there's literally no benefit other than your pride, you know, and, and I've tried to do this is. myself. Yeah. Ding, other ding. than your pride, there's no, there's no benefit. There's no pro like the pro cons list is all cons, you know, yeah. for living the faith. Life alone. I didn't realize how heavy it was. Right. So yeah. until it gets lifted. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage people to do that, you know, to seek out those friends. But I think that a lot of times for people in their lives and I, you know, I'm, and we'll talk a little bit about dating and stuff too. And just okay. kind of the culture of dating in the, today's world, especially in the church. But I'm just like, I think in, in dating and in friendships, a lot of times people aren't actually open, but they want God to like provide things for them. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times, yeah, like I don't need friends. I don't need good Catholic friends. And we're like living our life, making every decision as if we don't need them. But then we're, you know, mad and upset that we don't have good Catholic friends. And I have people reach out to me all the time and they'll be like, Oh, I'm so jealous of you and this and that. And it's like, dude, I could recount the stories of like how I made my Catholic friends, Yeah, you know, that I'm close yeah. with. And it, it took a lot of intentionality and effort on my part. Like it did not, like, these were not people that just like happened to come into my life, you know, yeah. <laughs> super easy. Like you have to make some effort and try. Yeah. yeah. It's and so important. Yeah. yeah. But I think, uh, you know, with that, I think <laughs> you've done some cool stuff recently with the, uh, with dating. I think today yeah. was, Unfortunately, I wish we could advertise this. Maybe we'll advertise we'll advertise on the stories and stuff today. But uh, it's your last day to sign up for uh, the next speed dating round. Is that yes. right? Yes. That was so much fun. Yeah. So tell well, me a little bit about that. It's been so much fun. It just kind of happened. I, we were getting messages. Um, lots of girls talking about like, hey, how do you meet guys? How do you meet Catholic men? Where are they? But at the same time, I'm seeing these men or like following right. them, talking to them. Um, they're saying the same thing. So I was just like, let's just do it. Let's just <laughs> come here. I know no one can see my hands, but then y'all come over here and we're just right. all going to get in the same room and we're just going to meet each other. And I think it's good for a lot of things. I think A, um, it's introduced people to other Catholics and shown that there are, we're all looking for each other. Like right. people are looking you're not like girls. We're not the only ones looking guys. You're not the only ones looking like everyone's looking for each other. First of all, second of all, we do put so much pressure on the dating side of it. 
Yeah. And I didn't, I don't think I realized, I knew I did. Um, but again, loner, I didn't realize how common that was like in our little Catholic world. Um, what do you mean by that? Putting uh, pressure on the dating side? I want to say I, it comes from a good place of just wanting to do things right and holy and, um, intentional. But I think sometimes we can over, you know what I mean? Yeah. We kind of make it over serious. Yes. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And like, yeah, yeah, I was reading. I agree with that. Yeah. I read, um, women in the ministry of love and that was kind of a reset button for me on just like Mm. the way I saw relationships and it was such a refreshing I don't know two days because I flew through it but um when they just talk about different relationships and you're able to look at them intentionally and so I think that that's another thing that the speed dating is able to do is just enjoy another's company enjoy conversation learn about someone else, um, relate on things that are really hard to relate on to the rest of the world. Um, right. I think sometimes people don't understand how as Catholics, I don't know, it's, I'm, we relate on all these cultural issues. Right. And I think sometimes it's hard for other people to see the, I want to choose my words, see the kind of friction that there is and there's always a choice to be made if we're going to live a Catholic life as differently than everyone else. Like what I mean by that is I don't know that others who are looking from the outside realize how hard it is sometimes when you're trying to we're persecuted. Like, okay. Right. That's, like I was trying to not say that, but it is, it is so okay to um, persecute Catholics culturally. And yeah. it's everything that we see is in everything that we read. It's in everything that we watch little subliminal messages um, from hip hop and culture. And it's like so publicly okay to just drive the Catholic church. Yeah. And if you're not looking at things like that, I don't think you realize it. And so, again, with the dating, I think it's nice to just be able to relate to those kinds of things and not constantly feel like you're having to explain or be on the defense. Right. That's no, 100%. 100%. That's a long way to explain that. I was trying not to be harsh about it, but it is what it is. We like to do harsh around here. Yeah, see? <laughs> so <laughs> bring that boldness all the way home. No, I love it. So, yeah, I think that's so true. And it is, it is really important. I think you hit on a great point of just like the – the seriousness with which so many people approach dating. And obviously we should approach dating in a seriousness with as far as like dating to marry. Right. And like being intentional with it. But at the same time, like, I mean, I see it all the time here at Benedictine of like, if you go on like a first date with somebody, it's like the, like, it's like the yes. end of the world. It's like when, like, <laughs> what are your kids' names going to be? Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like women, like, we breaking. That's community. not it. It's not a proposal. Right not like somebody asking me a dinner and then too I thought about it one time because I don't I I got caught up in that a little bit and then I was driving one day and I was like how prideful are you Taylor to think that they're like think that highly of you (laughs) you are you to think that this man who just asked you to dinner like to give (laughs) yes like you know what I mean yeah that was a that was a little bit of a reality check but a big moment for you <laughs> a big moment for me like who are you to think that but that's really but it's funny true. I think I think it is I think for guys too like they feel like this certain pressure too well if I ask her out and it doesn't go well or I'm not yeah. into it or whatever yeah it's really interesting the virtue is like so in the mean on that I think you know where you don't want to be too frivolous and just like not care right and just be extraordinarily casual but you know, like casual dating and first dates and stuff, especially when you're talking about like doing it right and like being chased and things like yeah. it's just okay. You know, like you can go and get coffee. So like, it's okay to do that. <laughs> you should be, it should be encouraged and supported and it should be okay if they don't go out again, you yeah. know, or if you still want to be friends after that, you know, and just be in a friend group together. Like it is, yeah, it's toxic, man. It's so bad. It's so like, distorted. And you have so many people. What I think is great about the speed dating is I see so many, you know, well-intentioned, great people here. And just like that, I know in the Catholic world that 
there's kind of that, you know, going back to like the normal slash relatability stuff. There's kind of like this, for lack of better terms, like a homeschool effect. And mm. I love homeschool. I love homeschool yes. families. Like I'm all about it. Um, and I think that it's probably in my future, right? For my I was going to say, I'm really careful about how I think about Yeah, and I love them. But I think there's no better way to like describe that awkwardness, you know, that because it does kind of come from this like sheltered, you know, experience and existence, yeah. I think. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be homeschooled to be sheltered that way. But there's so many good and great women and great guys who just really don't know how to interact with each other. You know, like they don't know how to interact with the opposite sex. And that's, that's the hardest to watch, you know, because they both are mature. They're set. They're, they're ready, you know, to date. And, you know, they just like don't know how to initiate or even like have friends of the opposite sex. That's why speeding has been so fun too, because you, it's virtual, right? So we're all used to that by now in the COVID yeah, um, we just celebrated a year. It celebrates. February. We just hit a year. Really, two weeks to slow the spread. I'm 52 weeks to slow the spread. That's the new model. 52 weeks to yes. slow the spread. <laughs> I don't think we slowed it. Anyway. Going on 53. But it's uh, a virtual. So that's awesome there's no pressure to it. It's like what we're doing right now. We're just having a conversation, right? Um, but you get to move around and meet other people and it's super quick. So you and I can have a chance to chat and we have a few things in common and that's great. And now I get to go meet somebody else. And it was really fun. I think if you would have told me, like, I understand, um, I understand the dating thing, but if you would have told me, that we were going to be speed dating like even six months ago I'd have been like hmm what would that look like right yeah yeah no it's it's an interesting concept I love I love that you do it I love hearing about it after it happens you know we've had some success really we wondered about that yeah we have it's been fun to watch but anyway yeah sign up we'll do more it's just fun that's extra exciting yeah I think you know unfortunately i think in today's world as you and i want to get to kind of transition into the persecution stuff you mentioned as well because i think that's going to be big um but i think in today's world you know with so much persecution with so much lukewarmness in the church with so much social and societal cultural influence into the church that's negative i think people have to be open to these like um dynamic unique you know innovative ways to meet people because it's yeah. not guaranteed, especially if you're living like a small town. I mean, luckily you live in a pretty populated area, you know, which is yeah. nice. And I did We're in Cincinnati, here. which, which was cooler. But when you're, I remember living in the South, like I remember living in Fayetteville, North Carolina. It was like, how am I going to meet a good Catholic woman here? You know, and people have to, I think, be open to some of these unique ways that you can meet people because yeah, it's tough, you know, and today there's not an overflow, right? Like we don't have an overload of, of strong young adult Catholics. There's more than you think. There is more than you think. But there's not an abundance. I guess you I could say. Right. Oh, that could be a podcast on its own. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we need a lot more. But let's talk about that societal influence and the persecution towards Catholics. I think the best way that we saw that, um, you gave me kind of this train of thought there, is with ACB, right? So uh, Justice oh. Amy Coney Barrett, when she was going oh. through it, man, like to see the, and I've talked about this on podcasts before, but to see the, the treatment that, uh, Amy Coney Barrett got versus what Joe Biden gets as a Catholic, right? Um, and you know their stances, you know their levels of orthodoxy are vast, vastly different, right? Like we would say that Amy is a is a faithful Catholic, actually believes church teaching, right? And Practice. yeah, Joe Biden is not, right? Like he's not a faithful Catholic. He does it not is what it is, endorse church teaching. <laughs> it is yeah, what it is. you know. Uh, but I think that it's interesting how you saw the hate and bigotry that actually came up, and like in in interviews, like in you know Senate um confirmation interviews like like her just blatant you know just like accusing her of like all these awful things because she was catholic and it's really interesting but i think that one of the beautiful things about being catholic is knowing that we are the most persecuted of the christians um and why is that right i think it's a great question to ask why is that when you think about the uh you know division in the church over thirty thousand denominations in of christianity right exist and why is it that catholicism is the most attacked well, I believe that is because the other ones are dominated by relativism. Agreed. 
right? Other denominations are dominated by relativism. I, I had a podcast early on in the days with uh, Dr. Alan Hunt, who's a former uh, megachurch pastor, uh, Methodist megachurch pastor. And he would tell stories about how in the Methodist church, they would have like leaders that would come together in certain regions and they would vote on what they believed on things like same-sex marriage or abortion or all these different like hot topics of the time. Yeah. They would vote on, they would vote and it would change and shift and switch. And he's just like, wait a minute, this can't be right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the truth doesn't change. So why are we, why are we, vote? Well, first of all, why are we voting? Secondly, why are we going back and forth about this uh, year to year? But I think that that's it, right? Like relativism has seeped into so much of the church and it has, it has, you know, definitely it's attacks on Catholicism, but the heart, the rock of Catholicism, right? The church itself has not wavered, has not changed um, as we've seen recently uh, proven with the Vatican's recent statement on same-sex uh, marriages and how we, how priests can't bless same-sex couples. And so I think, yeah. What are just some of your thoughts of that? How you've kind of seen relativism like impacting the world, impacting the church, drawing people away from the truth in your life? Mm. Well, and it's kind of what we were talking about earlier. I want to be the place that changes me. Everything else in culture, everything else that we do, um, I can come and go. And if I feel it, then it's great. If not, then I can let it go. But why would you not want to be just the place that is never changing, that has already been decided? I don't have to worry about um, making those voting on what's right and wrong or voting on how we feel because it was already established. It's done. It was, it's been done. Right. And I don't have to carry that burden. I just have to form myself to the truth, which we know to be the church. Yep. And, uh, also what were you saying, what you were saying too, about it constantly being under attack, uh, under attack, that to me shows me without having to even get into like the theology side of it or anything, but like what is so different about the church that everyone constantly feels like they have to be trying to bring it down? Like, why is everyone? So there's 800, I read this uh, a few days ago, 800 new denominations of Christianity every single year. Wow. Really? Yes. And which I can find that article if you need to note that or whatever, but we just say things here and just act like they're true. So (laughs) (laughs) that I did. I do have a lot of sources on certain things that I'm just like, should I put all these in the show notes? Is anybody going to use them? But well, holler at me. can always ask. Yeah. But <laughs> that doesn't even sound, sound logical to me. Right. And I don't know. Tom Brady's the goat, right? Absolutely. Tom Brady is hated. People yeah. hate him. They're always trying to bring him down. Yeah. Because he is the greatest. And I always look for when I'm making decisions or when I'm trying to decide where to go or whatever, like, what is it that people are always constantly trying to pick out? Like, what are the haters? And I'm saying this in such like a societal way or such a lame cultural way, but it makes sense. No one else was trying to break into the mega church down the street to, you know, we have that happen. And like people try to, get into the tabernacle or like Satanists trying to come in and take the host because they know right. what it is like they know what it is they don't yeah. deny it either yeah and so I just anyway. no that's a that's a great point I love to use that you know I think why why do satanic black masses first of all why is it called a black mass right. secondly if you there know you satanic rituals they mirror the catholic mass and they in order to be a full like legit one they have to desecrate an actual consecrated host right not, not they have to be in, you know, the, the high school gym with a, with a pastor, you know, with ripped jeans, and, right. you know, a leather jacket on, you know, and, and his, you know, brand new Jordans and a fresh haircut because he gets his haircut every three days. Like, not that guy. Like, they're not, they're not mimicking no. what he's doing, right? Right. Just a praise and worship session, which praise and worship sessions are great, but it's not mass, right? It's not worship um, in the fullness of, of worship in the full sense. Why is it that they always attack Catholicism, you know? Um, one of my favorite, like little like side points to that too, is if you see, like when we watch movies and stuff, like why in exorcists and when things get really bad, why do they always call the Catholic priest? They don't go to every the ripped jeans. Yeah. <laughs> go time, to the skinny go, jeans and you know what? He comes every time he shows right. up. 
Yep. Come drop it, drop in Latin, right? <laughs> just yeah. In. yeah. And it's like weird how that works and holy water and all that stuff. It's weird that you want the priest then. Um, yeah. And the other thing, something that really like, I, I've shared this before, I don't remember when, but something that was really big in me kind of falling away from, uh, I, I had one point in my life, especially like early in my army days. So like five years ago or so was really into Elevation Church in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, Pastor okay. Stephen Furtick. Loved him, listened to him every week, still went to mass faithfully and all the time, right. like didn't like change my Catholicism. I was rooted by right. then, but I still like eventually stopped listening to him. Cause I was like, you know what? If Amy Coney Barrett was from Elevation Church, nobody would, nobody would question her faith because that yeah. it doesn't mean anything. You know, if, you, if she went to Joel Osteen's church or, you know, any of those mega churches, like what, whatever, it wouldn't mean anything. Like her, her actual beliefs, her being faithful to that church, all it means is that she believes that Jesus is her personal Lord and Savior. Right. Which is a great thing. That but is it's a great more, like we don't have, we don't, the Bible's pretty thick for that to be the only thing you're supposed to take away from it. Right. Totally, like, yeah. like they could just have a sentence in there. If that was the only thing we were supposed to take away from it, then it doesn't need to be, it's too long. Right. <laughs> we need right. to talk to God about it because it's just too thick. If the only thing we're supposed to take away is that Jesus is our personal Lord and Savior. And so it's like, if you look at these people, like where does Stephen Furtick believe in all these different things? You don't know. And so it's like, I, I mean, I'm like, I could, anybody with a personality and some education on, on scripture and theology could, could, could have a mega church if totally. you want to, because all they do is talk about things that are nice to hear Touchy. and they're not divisive at all. They don't Make talk about any hard topics. Warm and fuzzy inside. You right. always leave feeling like, wow, got it. <laughs> God's going to help me. If you, you know, don't, God's going to give me what I want. Yes. Yes. And if you don't, you're like, wait, what happened today? Mm-hmm. I was talking to some people about that one time. And um, it, that's, this is probably when it really clicked for me when I was able to see it with other people, but they were like, man, I was just so mad at church today because the message I got was so, um, it did not apply to me at all. I could not take anything from it. Right. And I was thinking the message, what was my message at mass? And I thought, I don't even, forgive me. I don't even know because I, I was just there to get Jesus. Like <laughs> I just needed the Eucharist that yeah. day. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. so if that was, that's what I walk away with, then that's enough and more than enough. And I must have it. Yeah. So I just, it's all about feelings. It's crazy too. Like we've gotten here so fast, way faster than I would have even, my gosh, it's to think that we could have the high all the time, like as Christians, first of all, we're called to the cross. Okay. And obviously that's something as Catholics that we talk about often and that we really, or we should, um, I was going to say some do that varies. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well, we should, um, we should all be carrying our cross, but if it doesn't, um, it's just, it doesn't feel good. Right. And if we don't, if we don't walk away with, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. We, no, we're not always going to have that high there. That's impossible. Like right. we won't. You won't so have it in have marriage. Like, do what? You won't have it in marriage. You no. won't have it in friendships. You're not going to have it in your profession or your career. You're not going to have it in your faith. No. And we just teach people that like, it's supposed to just be this constant high. And then you wonder, we wonder why the divorce rate is what it is. Right. You know, people switch uh, professions constantly, you know, like nobody sticks anything out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad relationships and friendships in general just are, you know, flaky and inconsistent people have commitment issues, right? Because it's yeah. like, we just always want the next best thing or yeah. Just seeking that high. I think that's a really good point. But I think as Christians too, if we can, if that can be the first thing that we learn, like, Hey, this isn't always going to feel good. Most of the time it's not actually. And if we can somehow come to terms with that, then we're good. Right. Because we've also been given logic and reason. And then that's how we go on our way. But if we can just get it through our heads or in culture or as just as Christians as a whole, that this is not about the way that I feel. It's first of all, it's not even about me. That's another thing. <laughs> That's that, a great like, starting point. <laughs> when we're talking and it's like the, um, my relationship with Jesus and what he's doing for me or what I can do for others through him or whatever, but it's not about us. Right. 
And when we constantly try to make it about us, we don't see the results that we want. And then we get really discouraged because we're like, why isn't God doing this for me? Or why am I not feeling a certain way? Or why did I not get this or that? Doesn't God love me? And then just, we end up where we are. Yep. I a hundred percent agree. And, and it's interesting, you know, when I've talked to a lot of fallen away Catholics and especially when I was in the military and it was around a lot of Protestants or people who went to Protestant churches, so many people, I mean, all the time I would hear people being like, Oh, I was raised Catholic or I was Catholic. I used to be Catholic, whatever. And whatever, <laughs> I think this is a funny test. Like if you, I, I always encourage people when you're denomination shopping or you're trying to discern, right. Which one you want to be, even if you are Catholic and you're trying to figure out why should I be Catholic? ask some fallen away Catholics why they left. Mm. And nearly all the time, the answer starts with I, you know? Every- and so when I, I have a talk that I wrote, yeah, that's about like, why should I be Catholic? And my first reason is that I'm Catholic because I believe God wants to be, me to be Catholic. <laughs> like that is, that is the first and primary like reason. That he established the church for you. Exactly. He already did it all. He came so that's in- why I'm here. <laughs> that's why I show up every Sunday. And so <laughs> it's like, that's pretty basic. Right. And if you talk to a lot of other people, it's exactly what you just said. Oh, I really like the pastor. Oh, I really like the music. Or, I didn't resonate with the message or their beliefs of same-sex marriage, abortion, mm-hmm. transgenderism, whatever, you know, you name it did not align with the church. So they left, right? right? Like the church wouldn't change to be what they wanted it to be. Instead, the church wanted them to change to what God wanted them to be. And they didn't like that. So they bounced. So they went to find somebody who would, you know, yeah. fall like who, who would just appease them in a certain sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, St. Paul talks about this. This is one of my, I, I wish I still had to memorize word for word, but in 2 Timothy 4, St. Paul talks about, you know, I charge you in the presence of God. He said to preach the gospel, be ready in season and out of season, basically be ready at all times, you know? Because he says that the time is coming that people will no longer listen to sound teaching, but instead having itching ears will go to find uh, themselves teachers who will suit their beliefs, right? And tell them what they want to hear, essentially. And he says, bad for you. Keep your head in all situations. Um, You know, preach the gospel. Be bold in your faith. Um, It's just amazing. You know, do the work of an evangelist. And so it's really important when we hear things like that to like recognize like those are the times. And that's not even just the times now. It's been happening from the very beginning, right? With the heretics and the heresies that would break off before. The main difference that's happened in the last 500 years is we stopped calling people heretics. Right. <laughs> we just let people just yeah. like, oh yeah, like you just kind of believe it. And it's always one of those but, things that's really tough for me when I'm talking to a Protestant friend when they're like, yeah, Christians, Catholics, like we basically, you know, Protestants, Catholics, we believe the same things. And it's like, I, I started being bolder in like the last few years where I'm just like, we don't, you do know that that's not true, right? My <laughs> favorite is like, it's just a different denomination. Right. Like it's only just like, and it's like, well, what is that difference? Why is it different? If it's, if we believe the same thing, then why aren't we the same? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like if we believe the same thing, then we would all be exactly what Jesus Christ in the gospel asks us to be, which is one and unified. He never says, I want to be a bunch of different things. Clearly. Clearly. Right. And so why, if we all believe the same thing, then why aren't we the same? What's the difference? Why don't you come to mass? (laughs) Cause I can tell you why I'm not coming to yours. You know, and that's yeah. what I think is so important for people to realize. And I think that it's important for us to challenge Catholics on this as well. So like we talked about at the beginning, to be bolder in your faith so that you have to understand, you know, as St. Peter talks about in his letter, uh, first letter of St. Peter, to talk about, uh, I think it's chapter five, where he says to always have an answer ready for anybody who asks you for the mm-hmm. reason um, for the joy that or the hope that's inside of you. And so we have to have that, right? Like that, this is not optional to like to, especially in 2021, when so many podcasts and YouTube videos and free education things, you know, formed like all these great things out there that can teach you these things in short amounts of time, all the books out there. Like, why do people not know this? (laughs) You know, why do you not want to learn to be like, this is why I'm Catholic or this is why I'm not. Yeah. It's so easy to search and find. And like, I'll be the first to say, I do not know everything. Um, like I said, I was always jealous of the kids who got to study theology in right. school because everything while my mom and my family and my dad um, taught us so much, you still have to go. There's so much that you have to do on your own. Absolutely. And we're responsible for that. You're responsible for that. I'm responsible for that. And we'll have to answer for that too i believe so right 
and we have to be proactive yeah just like we talked about with the friendships all right and friendships and relationships like you have to be proactive in these things and we really do just have like an incredibly passive society and we get so numbed by social media and netflix and all these things that are just like everything's so comfortable and easy that we just think that everything that's good will come to us right yeah totally instead of us having to go for it and i think you have a good example i mean mine mine too you know like my story i i definitely was not like formed in catholicism in the home but i knew that i could learn whatever i wanted just like anything else in life right like if i wanted to learn it it's like i i'm always mind blown at people who ask some of the most basic questions and i think it's great and i want to encourage people to ask me questions but right. sometimes when people ask questions and they're like you can tell they've really been struggling with it and i'm just like and they're just like where do you like find the answer to that and i'm like if you needed to find anything out, what would you do? Like <laughs> you Google it, right? Or you YouTube uh, it. Yeah. Like, do you know how much content Father Mike Schmitz has put out for you in the last 10 years? Seriously, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's probably got a video on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Him, Bobby, Jackie, Bobby Angel. Like, like these people are doing this stuff all the time for you. Like for you to have these answers. There's right. so much out there. Um, and yeah, I think it's good to like, I'm, I'm like you. Like I definitely don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. Um, I want I, to I, know. exactly and it takes time and and i think our goal should be that you know at the end of this year at the end of five years that we're going to know more than we knew now right and that's how you know and do you know more now than you did at the beginning of the pandemic right like did you grow over that last year unpopular opinion but i loved the and i know it was hard and i don't mean to be insensitive but taylor personally covid was while i was not happy about it uh, why I did not enjoy or did not want to be the world to shut down personally and spiritually was a solid time in my life. Yeah, no, I believe it. And That's if it wasn't, hear. and it should have been, I believe in everyone's honestly. Yeah. Um, but right. And I think, like you said, like everybody faced unique challenges and stuff during that year, but uh, yeah. undoubtedly every, every year, you know, we, we did a podcast recently uh, with father Meyer on being anti-fragile and Yes, gives, that was awesome. Yeah, he gives a definition of being anti-fragile, meaning that you don't just survive hardship, you actually grow through it, right? Like you actually get yeah. stronger through that. And that's exactly it, right? We all just went through this and it, it was a good anti-fragile test for all of us, right? Like, did you grow? Did, did what you wanted to have happen happen? Um, or did you just kind of buckle up and, and just try to survive forever? And there's times for that. And I've had times, I'm sure you've had times over the last year where you have survival mode and you have where you're trying to thrive, right? You're trying to grow, but there's times where you're just trying to like, damage control and not go backwards too far. Right. Like when I had surgery and stuff, like I, I definitely knew, you know, that once I had my Achilles surgery, I was like, I'm not going to be more productive over the next two months than I was right. over this last month where I just had off basically and could, could totally control my time and <laughs> could walk. Right. It wasn't drugged up. So you have to have <laughs> those times, but it's still like, okay, but still over the last three months, did I advance? Did I progress? Yes. Right. Right. Like we don't just stop no. because life got hard. That's, but we can find excuse, like if you want to find, especially today, if you want to find an excuse for anything, you can. And oh, especially with social media, I'm so tired of opening my little Explorer page <laughs> and seeing nothing. And I don't click on them, so I don't know how they keep coming up, but <laughs> there's a little slide thing of an excuse for everything or um, any type of mental health that you're going through, which mental health is real and 100% we should take care of our mental health. But it's all these, like, you might be a victim if, you know, you woke up late today or (laughs) you're having a bad day and all you need to do to feel better is sit on the couch and eat seven cookies. That is okay because you are worth it. Yeah, exactly. And And, and I'm just like body shaming somebody if you, if you tell them no, right? Like if you, if you're obese, you're overweight, despite the fact that what is it like? 85% 85% of COVID deaths were related to overweight uh, and obesity. Uh, yes. 80%. Yeah, it was crazy. And so, but, but in that same year that we had all these deaths, right. You see people in, in big magazines, Vogue magazine, you know, like all these like big names. Right. Um, yeah. Just celebrating overweight people it and saying that we need to just accept bodies for where, where we are. And it doesn't mean that we should be body shaming people. It was a lot of body shaming going on in the army. It's, it's, it's a big part of the culture and I don't yeah. encourage people to do that. But I think that we also at the same time to be like, okay, you know, I'm unhealthy and I should try to eat better and exercise more. Right. And it doesn't mean that everybody's going to be a perfect model, right? Not everybody's going to be walking around with a six pack, but no. encouraging and healthy living is, 
is a pivotal thing of life. But we have this, like you said, this feelings based, we just want everybody to feel comfortable. And right. if you need a day off, if you need to rest, if you need like you deserve it, no matter what you've done, you just, you just deserve it for living yeah. today. Because you just have had a time and <laughs> I just, what? Oh, I can't even take it seriously. There's this wild entitlement that we have in our world. Yes. And yeah, it's incredibly detrimental to, to every aspect of our lives. Um, but you see it. Yeah. It's just kind of like running rampant through everything that we try to do uh, as a society, you know, every facet of our society and our world, it's just, everybody feels so entitled to everything. And uh, we're just owed all of these things and we don't owe anybody anything. You know, we kind of have this like, no, never. Um, yeah, we have these rights without responsibility, you know, right. is a good way to put it in, in a cultural sense. Right. We have these rights to everything, but we don't have, we're not responsible for anything, um, which is really, really powerful. But I think one of the, one of my favorite quotes on this recently, this is what you made me think of was with the Megan, not Megan Markle. It was uh, the bachelor, the oh bachelor God. interview. <laughs> uh, Are you a bachelor watcher? Uh, Taylor you, Fuehler? I'll go on the record and say, traditionally it is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> um, lately, lately like i'll take it i will take it but like mm, i'm just having i couldn't get through the season this was a struggle yo this one i mean i've had so many th- this is what i said like you know we were talking about earlier like i feel like i could podcast every day or ran about stuff every day that one was a whole thing in of itself when yeah. it went down with the chris or whatever his name was who does the the, the hosting um that was wild, but the 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 quote that I love that I shared on Instagram the other day was from when they were interviewing Homegirl after the one who you know the racist right the staunch yeah. racist right KKK leader who had the audacity at like age uh. nineteen to to wear a dress and take a photo at a Southern yeah. style uh, party which countless people do every year every um yeah unbelievable right it's so hilarious that like she's getting interviewed by this black man. Uh, this is somebody, Emily told me about this. She, okay. Her roommates were watching it and she was overhearing. And so Emily's like telling me the story, sending me quotes. And she's like, you got to watch this interview. It sounds so wild. And the black man asked her, and I think this is the epitome of America. He said, who do you blame for your ignorance? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. I was watching, I, I watched the interview. I cried. I, I was just I like, cried. that was the most uncomfortable. That's the definition it, of America right? Like you're like, she did like step one, she didn't do anything wrong. Step two, your, your ignorance is like unbelievable. And like, you're guilty really with no chance of mercy or forgiveness. Right. Like homeboy wouldn't even hug her. I heard. No. Yeah. And then step three, who do you blame for? Like you, this obviously can't be your fault because we don't actually take responsibility for anything. So like, right. who do you blame and if you saw her face, She didn't even know how to answer it. She knew what to say. How would you, how would you, how would you answer that? I can't even fathom. No, you but know? she knew that she had to say myself and she how was well, like, yeah. but that, I mean, what else do you say in that situation? And I'm sure that she had, anyway, it was very uncomfortable to watch. Um, it was, it's very, seemed very um, not authentic. I feel like I asked him uh, anyway. Right. Did you watch any of the, did you watch any of the uh, Royal Family, the Meghan Markle interview with Oprah? I tried not to. <laughs> unsuccessfully? <laughs> unsuccessfully. I really tried not to. I was like, I'm not even going to go there. Um couldn't help it, huh? Are you uh, a are you a wake up at, at 2 a.m. to watch the royal wedding or whatever time they have it at? No. Sorry. You didn't do that? I oh, didn't. No, I, no need to apologize to me, nor am I. Um, <laughs> I am of the beliefs. I love the things, uh, the quotes that we saw in the following days that said things like, uh, I'm very grateful for the Revolutionary Wars so that we no longer have to care about royalty in England. Ever. Uh, I'm, a, I'm in that camp. Emily had me watch the interview as being a little girl once and wanting to be a princess some of that was just it's fun to see like the outfits and the whatever but America to the core (laughs) that I know (laughs) if you love Texas then you love America I think those two typically go hand in hand yeah yeah, I I do know that about you I actually remember that yeah that you you do like America (laughs) uh somewhat conservative some might say um, i do i do recall that now that you mentioned it um but no i think it's so i think it's so good but i i thought that was wildly entertaining too going along the same things with like these just wild allegations or yeah allegations accusations of, of racism and things that 
were just like, just they're so vague and they're so bland and it's just such an easy way. It's just a trump card, you know? And the funniest part for me, and I did I did a poll last week and I'm, I'm late on my my Instagram live rants and I really want to do one on this whole like race and gender debate um, mm-hmm. and just how backwards I think we have both of those things. Right what I mean by that is like, we view gender as a spectrum, but race for, somehow is like a, a black and white thing, right? Like you're right. either on one side or the other. Right. And like, I, I found out, I think it was Candace Owens who said that uh, Meghan Markle's only 25% black, which is understandable if you look at her mother. I don't know if it's true or not. I couldn't find it myself, mm-hmm. uh, but she says she's 25% black. And just like the, the <laughs> one, the audacity to think that if somebody asked what, what color is Archie going to be, that that's racist, right? Like right. pretty much every girl I've ever dated seriously has wondered what the color of our children would be if we like had that conversation, you know, like people have wondered that my mom's talked about, like there were so many racists in my life. If, if asking somebody like what they think the color of their child would be is racist. Okay. Yeah. I know so many racist people. It's <laughs> I'm racist for thinking. I've wondered myself. I'm racist. I'm racist too. Yeah. So, but the funniest part I think with that is that she's 20, like she could walk in places and not even be considered black, right? You wouldn't look at her necessarily and be like, oh, like she's like, she's a, a strong, powerful black woman, you know, like she's seems like, a, I mean, she could be a strong, powerful woman, but she's, yeah, 100%. yeah, there's no way you could just look at her and be like, she is black. And then think about what, how, I mean, Prince uh, Harry is damn near see-through, right? So <laughs> you got this white baby pops out and it's like, who was worried about this? You know I mean? Like this baby, you know, this is like a mini Casper over here. He needs SPF 70. That baby needs SPF 70. Anywhere south of Maryland, that baby needs SPF 70. And they're out here talking about, you know, what color is the yeah. baby going to be? I can't tell you who said it. Can't tell you the context of the conversation. Tell you didn't somebody, say it. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's like your racist thing is. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. The queen didn't say it, but it's like somebody in the family said that. And it's like, okay, dude, like there's so much missing to that that we're just going to now like start charging people with racism and, oh yeah, you don't want attention and everything. Like that's my favorite part of it. She recently said she's thinking about running for president. She doesn't want attention. She's doing a primetime special with Oprah signed Mm -hmm. a Netflix deal married a prince right and it's just like what like none of that adds up and somehow but because of the fact that she claimed that she was one that one the first thing she claimed that got her ultimate victimhood was she claimed she had suicidal thoughts right and everybody ignored her right um and and then if you questioned anything she said after that it was as if you questioned her having any mental health issues right which like immediately got you shut down right Right. and then you see somebody like Piers morgan also questioning the racist claims and some of the other things and then you're racist if you don't believe those things and so it's kind of like we live in this world where because of the relativism and because of these like feelings based things that it, even if it's true or not, like if she felt that, then it's yeah. real. Yeah. And everybody just has to like get on board with that. Valid. And now she's going to be president. <laughs> with the, with the, now her and her white baby are going to live in the white house. <laughs> and we've already proven the way to become president. So, yeah. Just a, like a puppet figure. She could See, do it. I mean, if she could do what Joe Biden is doing, I don't think that Meghan Markle will be ready to be president, but I think that she could read it. I think she could actually even be better. She could yeah. read off the teleprompter more clearly. She could share more. Yeah. Read off the teleprompter more clearly. And uh, yeah, but just probably like go to more things, you know, <laughs> she wouldn't do any press conferences and things like that. I don't think she could actually explain herself any better, but she can probably read better at this point, you know? Um, and would just be a little bit more active. Yeah. And maybe her dogs wouldn't bite the White House staff. Maybe not. Yeah. So I think it'd be all around improvement, obviously. Maybe we're not giving her a chance. Her and this white baby could be what America needs uh, <laughs> to really take us to the next level. It could really be what makes America great again. Who knows? I'm open to it. That's all. I just want to say loud and clear, Megan. I know she's probably an avid listener of the CKX podcast. You know, I think we're right there on her, uh, her daily to-do list. I support her. I support her. Endorse. Yeah, first black female president, Meghan Markle. (laughs) For right now. And her white baby. I would love (laughs) Prince Harry to be the the first man. That would be great. Um, That would be something. It's just too funny. I'd love like the Babylon Bee articles and stuff like that that are like, you know, royal couple says being royalty is too hard and now they want to run for president. For president, yeah. Yeah. What? royalty is like the easiest thing in the world all they do is like travel around for free and like get treated like royalty literally and like go to charity events yeah and she's like and i can't balls. do it i 
can't handle it. <laughs> media is too much. Did you see Trump for the last four years? Like you thought you thought oh. you had media bad? We don't need to go into all that. That's just a whole other hour. <laughs> but, you know I will, but <laughs> it's amazing. But yeah, relativism, uh, going back to that, leads us into all this kind of badness and just like being dictated by our feelings. And that's it. Hopefully, people know that it's not the best way to live. And we just want to encourage people to, yeah, just really like figure out why you're Catholic, what you believe, and what you st- what you stand on, because it really does. As we joke about all these other things, like all of that is dependent upon like whether you believe in the truth or not. It does, yeah. You know, and that's what relativism is. Relativism is this your truth, my truth. If you say two plus two equals five, then maybe it does for you. If you say you're a man tomorrow, then like, who am I to say that you're not? And if I say that I'm a woman, who are you to say that I'm not? Yeah, you know, you're not you can't black. say that you're black though. You no. can't say that. <laughs> well, how can you get? I cannot. Right. You can't say that. Me. But you're not loving me though, if you don't affirm me in that. If I tell you that and right. you tell me that I'm actually not, that I'm actually a woman and you can prove that in multiple ways. Um, you are hateful because how dare you try to tell me that I right. cannot do that. Who am I to do that? It, it, I think one of the things that was like the most, uh, we, we just always get like these little like great summaries of the world, right? I mm-hmm. saw, I heard on the Matt Walsh show that there was this, there was this quote from this like clip from Don Lemon this past mm-hmm. week talking about the great Don Lemon, obviously the greatest journalist in American, uh, right. in American media, maybe next to Chris Cuomo, uh, Rachel Maddow's up there as well. You know, just these like lovers of truth, just like commitment to really serving the American people with transparency and honesty and integrity, um, which is sarcasm uh, for everybody who doesn't know. I despise <laughs> Don Lemon with pretty much every fiber of my being. He's like yeah. up there top five with Kamala Harris. Ooh, Anyways, okay. he had this whole top thing five. about <laughs> top five, <laughs> bottom five, however you want to look at it. But he I, talked I, about, you. what'd you say? I said, I'm with you. Keep going. Yeah. He was recently engaged to a man, uh, in, like in the last year or so, I think, um, and asked about like, what, what do you think about like the Vatican's new statement and stuff like that? And he's like, I respect people to believe whatever they believe, but if your religion teaches that it, it like ostracizes anybody, then it's wrong. And it's not true. And like, God doesn't judge. I mean, it was like, I mean, if he was speaking on any type of like Christian background, even just in general to speak about God this way, just like pure heresy, there's no religion in the world that says, yeah, yeah anything that he, but it was like pure, it was like the definition of relativism of like, God just wants you to be whoever you are and do whatever you feel like doing. God doesn't I, like hold you back or judge or do any of those things. And it's like, well, you must have never read the Bible or the Quran or, you know what I mean? The Jewish old Testament. Like, any of it. Seriously, nothing. In, nothing. I'm yeah. so even karma of- doesn't believe that <laughs> you know, like, yeah. even, like Buddhism doesn't teach that it's wild people but, make Jesus a hippie right that's what it is it's just like yeah. love just do it and no truth and I always I often reflect in in prayer and just like love this statement you know like how fitting is it you know that when Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate um and he talks about truth and Pontius Pilate looks at him representing the entire world yes. right like the like when we think of like the enemy of the world and says what is truth and it's like that's that's the world today right like what is truth what does that even okay. mean um and the lord gets asked that question <laughs> i just imagine him being like bro are you serious yeah. and he's like but i know you don't know i know damn well you don't know yeah. anything about the truth or we wouldn't even be here right now right right um, <laughs> exactly crazy oh but anyways yeah. praise the lord yeah, good old Don Lemon sharing just his theological insight for the world, which is super helpful um, for everyone to hear. So hopefully we'll get more of that in the future. But Taylor, any any final words you have for the people? Any words of encouragement? Any last thoughts that you have? I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> I it. No, I just think as Catholics, we have so much. We've been given so much. We know that, like we've been talking about persecution, persecution and all that we know that that is coming regardless. So whether we like it or not, whether we, we could sit here and talk about it round and round, but it's going to happen. We were told that uh, we can count on that. So I think my words of encouragement would be to find your cross, carry it happily and embrace the sacraments. Yep. I'll get you through. That's but right. what, 
a joy it is to be able to um, partake in in the mass and the opportunity that we have been given and everything that we're talking about um, just doesn't even compare to the beauty that we have if we seek it out. We could do it every day. Yeah. So while, like I said, while we joke about all of this and how hard it is and all of that, and it's still, we're, we're still winning. <laughs> yeah. So. Praise the Lord. No, the fight continues. And I think that we're at a point, you know, where if you're not, if you're not receiving any persecution, even like the slightest bit, right. And we talked a lot of recently about spiritual warfare. Like if, if the devil leaves the ones alone who pose no threat to his mission. Yeah. Yes. Right? And, and father so, Todd was talking about that and, it's so true. And it's such a good reminder to check yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of see where you're at because if you're on the sidelines. You're never going to get hit, right? You yeah. have to get into the game to, to actually receive some bruises and, and have some pushback from the world. So yeah, it's great. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. It's been, it's been awesome just chatting with you. I love the way we just kind of talked about a lot of different things. No, I love um, it. I think it was thank exactly you. what we needed today. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's fun.